So next week we'll be back in Acts, Acts chapter 21, but today we're preparing for communion, and we have our back by popular demand, Pastor Paul Vanderbilt is here, so, all right. Thank you, Chuck. Would you all would you all take a moment and join with me in thanking our worship team and our sound and audio and visual people? We've come a long way from that first church in Acts. We've got light, sound. All those stringed instruments go way back. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, we deeply implore that you would speak to us. Uh, I've been privileged to ask to open your word for this group, those who might be online. But, Father, I pray your words would speak so much louder, so much longer, so much more effectively than I ever could. I pray that your spirit would move over these words as it travels into our ears. We saw in the New Testament where it said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Lord, I pray for ears. Spiritual ears. (laughs) Mine aren't as good as they used to be. But that doesn't matter because I've got the Spirit within me. Watch over us today, Father. Bless each one here. I thank you for them. Strengthen them. Watch over your church worldwide. In these days, as always, I pray that you would just protect, guide, and keep pure. That your word might go on out unadulterated, unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember preaching over at the school, and I had my glasses on, on my head top of my head, and uh, I didn't realize it, but the light was shining kind of funny, and it looked like I had, you know, pyrotechnics going on on my, my cranium, so I figured I better put these on my face. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, this is about biblical truth, biblical truth on how we need to live Not just at all times, but I would say maybe especially in the dark times. We need to remember this. Times when this was written were dark times. Rome was in charge and they were brutal. I think we can see a parallel in what's coming but we better need we have need we have so much need to get the groundwork the footings of this building not this building 
but this building. We need to get it. We need to get it right. And in Matthew 5, Matthew 5, it says this. I'm going to read just a portion of it. I'd like to get the whole thing done, but time does not allow that, nor would your patience. But let's read a little from chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain. When he had sat down, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse 6, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's about as far as we're going to get, but I would encourage you, I'm I'm strongly encouraging you. um, This section called Sermon on the Mount um, goes for three chapters, five, six, and seven. It's worth some contemplative reading. It's a bit of a lengthy passage, yes. Three chapters. But I want to encourage you, don't just read it. And and please don't, don't get offended at what I say. Don't get upset with me or whatever. I'm for everybody studying their Bible. Timothy wrote that. Study to show yourself approved. These programs for reading through your Bible in a year, um, I would rather that it took you five years to read through it, but you took notes and you prayed over it and all that kind of stuff. So I just want you to think about that. These principles in this portion, are they weren't just for the early disciples, They were for them, yes. That was the first group hearing it. But it's for us. It's for us. These things are for every believer of every age until the end of time. That time when Christ fulfills all things and all things become new in the meantime. That's what this is about in the meantime. Or should I say in the times that are mean. These are mean times. And they're getting meaner. I had an English teacher that I had in high school. She was mean. But that's that's a story for another time. I want you to understand, as um, I I don't know where I came on this, but I started reading Scripture, especially the New Testament, especially the words of Jesus, but but others, other words as well. Some of this stuff, 
is a command. How many of you thought that a lot of Scripture was a suggestion? <laughs> how, many of you, how many of you know people who treat Scripture like it's a suggestion? It's a great idea. And then they say, but. We are not to do that. We're to take these words seriously. We're to take them to heart. And then they need to be lived out. Been to doctors, physical therapists. Not Gwen. When, when Gwen gave me exercises to do for my neck and shoulder, I did them for the, for the most part. <laughs> I can't treat the Word of God that way. See, Jesus said, hear my words. Hear my words. Luke 6, 47 and 48 say this. Everyone that cometh unto me and heareth my words and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who digged and went deep laid a foundation upon the rock. And when the flood arose, the steam bro- stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well builded. I felt like I was reading King James there. But I want you to think about what we saw just last couple of days with the hurricane down in uh, the south, especially Florida. We can't build houses like that of our spiritual life where the same thing's going to happen. Whoever, Jesus said, comes to me and hears my sayings, that's good. That's good. But the next part is crucial. And doeth them, or does them, or adheres to them, or owns them. He's like that man that has a house. For you that have been born again, you have a house. You've been given the plans, you've been given the materials. But in a way, it's kind of up to you to figure out what foundation you're going to dig. The wise man builds it on rock, not boulders. This is bedrock. This is bedrock, rock that extends sometimes for miles, and it's thick, and it doesn't really shake. It just sits there. How many of you are familiar with Chuck Swindoll? He had a saying that my wife Joy heard a long time ago. And I loved it. The, the, the visual in my head growing up in Virginia around uh, cattle and, and whatnot. Um, Chuck Swindoll said, we need to stand like a steer in a blizzard. Do you know how much a blizzard affects a 2,000-pound animal 
Not a lot. Not a lot. But think about it. We need to stand that way. We can stand that way. I love it. I, I, I loved, grew up with some horses and, and uh, you know, farmers around. Uh, some of them I worked for, we would move cattle from, from pasture to pasture, and, and uh, that was exciting. Uh, you know, big, big animals getting excited, and you're driving them through the woods. And, and don't get close, because when they kick, they have quite a reach going backwards. But that's, that's too much. Anyway, we've got to build. We've got to stand firm. This passage in Matthew 5 and, and continuing, and you know the story. There were people from the very beginning. Herod tried to kill baby Jesus. And 33 and a half years later, it happened. They crucified him. But what we need to remember is we have to cling to his authority. Commanded to manifest and exemplify his own gentle and lowly spirit. That demeanor that he had, we need to put on. Not just in the good times, Jesus, you know, in his word. In his word, he said, it's, it's easy to love the lovely. How many of you agree with that? How many of you would say it's lovely to get up close to a rose and admire it, maybe even smell it? Don't do that with goldenrod. It will ruin you for days. But we need to take on that spirit of the rose of Sharon. Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. This is Paul writing. This is Paul. You know, Saul, the guy that was really just not pleasant to Christians. He had him killed, imprisoned, tortured. But when God spoke to him, Jesus met him on the road, and got his attention. It happened rather quickly. Lord, what do you want with me? He finally got it to a point where he, Paul, is writing that church in Corinth. He got it so much about Jesus and who to be an imitator of, he wrote it. He said, be imitators of me. Even as I also am of Christ. I can say that for a little bit on a good day. Maybe three, four minutes when I'm having a good day. But here's Paul writing that. He got it. He lived it. He exemplified. James one twenty five says this, but whoso looketh into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and so continueth, being not a hearer that forgets, but a doer 
that lives it out, that man is blessed in his deed. That word blessed, we're going to see it several more times in the Matthew passage. I know you're aware of that, most of you. These are words that come from Jesus' mouth in Matthew. Blessed means happy. I tried to find something that was more deep than that. You know, I'm looking at all my Greek stuff, and I'm going, no, it just means happy. Just plain old happy. But not happy situationally. I was happy when Joy and I arrived safely in in West Virginia and, and got to see our friends. I was happy when we got home. I could sleep in my own bed. That made me happy. But that's all situational. What about that happiness, contentedness that is immovable? When we stand like a steer in a blizzard. You see that law of liberty that James wrote about. It's like a suit of clothes. That were tailor made for us. <laughs> when I sold, when I was in school, um, I was, I was selling Harley Davidson's at, at Brian's now it's stars and stripes I think and uh, his his wife Brian uh, his wife ran a tuxedo shop and they had this great idea for a sales thing a whole big thing an all day thing his wife came and measured us all up and for the day we were wearing tuxedos it was the coolest thing to be given demonstrations on bikes, test rides on bikes in a tuxedo. And one of the guys had tails. And it was so fun to ride behind him and watch those tails flipping. He did look like a penguin. But this new man, this whole thing, that perfect law of liberty... It suits us. It's a suit that was custom made for you and me. Jesus provides new clothing for a new man, a new woman. They suit us. They fit us. It's what we were made for. I think it's fair that I tell you that these words that Jesus spoke are not for unbelievers. What I'm speaking today is not specifically for an unbeliever. They can be true if a person comes to faith, whether it's today or tomorrow or whatever. But these words... To an unbeliever, don't really make a lot of sense. And you'll see why. Most of you are probably familiar with these things. But understand that there are people out there, maybe in here today, I don't know. Maybe online. Someday they're going to be listening 
other people. But I want you to understand that there are people that need this. If you are born again, you're indwelt by the Spirit. We have a gospel, a good news, a good news. I love, you know, most of the songs uh, that Todd does. Not all of them. I can't sing a whole lot, at least not, you know, publicly and privately I'll sing. And uh, Todd goes, thank you for not trying to audition for the group. Um, Anyway, the standard set by Jesus is high. The goal is holiness. But only those with the Holy Spirit stand a chance of attaining them. But only through. It's not like you walk into a room and it's like, poof, you're changed. We're not four. A little four-year-old, they put on a certain set of clothes. And the little boy, he's a cowboy. Just ask him, what are you? You're a cowboy. The little girl, I'm a princess. It's not that easy. It takes determination. Paul actually worded it that we have to kill the old man. Mortify in your flesh. It means kill. Determination. We can do this. I want to ask you a quick question. Would Jesus command us to do something or behave in a certain way if we couldn't do it? What are the conditions of our fulfillment of these commands? Who do we have to rely on? I relied on myself over the years. But Hebrews 12, 2 tells us, looking, seeking, pursuing Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the, cro- endured the cross, Yuck. despising the shame and set down at the right hand, of the throne of God. Hebrews 12.2 really gives us an assurance. How many of you have started something that didn't quite get done? Well, let me put it this way. Raise your hand if you have always completed what you set out to do. Just give me... Is there one hand, somebody who is totally delusional? Go ahead, raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> I am not going to say a word. Okay. If we are blood, blood bought, indwelt by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and we've been promised that the author and finisher is going to do what he started out to do. And he's given us this list of commands. You can do it. I can do it. I can do better today than any day in my past, if I so choose. Amen? Amen. There we go. I'm 
I want to I want to make a comment about you know you you have to be Southern Baptist somewhere deep down inside because they get an amen all the time. Anyway, First Timothy six three through six reminds us of what faith in Christ and His commands looks like. And what it doesn't look like starts out, if any man teaches otherwise, uh-oh, what should we be on guard for? Those that teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even or especially the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, if he's ignoring that, Teaching something else, it says he is proud in verse 4. Pride goes before what? I'm sorry, say that again in my hearing. It goes before a fall. He is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof come envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain, stuff, is godliness. I'm thankful we don't live in a day like that. We do. We really do. And it's gotten worse. Remember years ago, I don't know, 10, 20, whatever years ago, the bumper sticker. He who dies with the most toys wins. And you're going, I mean, it was funny back in the day because that, you know, but when you really, the spiritual truth of that, that's blind living in darkness. That's another gospel. That person leaves everything behind and inherits an eternity apart from Christ. Yeah, that defines winner in my book. Not really. Verse 6, verse 6, but, but, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness. What is godliness? If you really kind of break it down, I was trying to think of a one-word deal. Submission. Because we're going to submit to something. Before our salvation, we submitted to Satan, to the things of this world, to the prince of the power of the air. And ever since we came to faith, what are we putting off? We're putting the crown where it belongs. And there's a struggle. There's a struggle. But I want you to understand. This might be a news flash for some of you. But true believers, true believers are kingdom people. How many of you have received Christ, born again, spirit dwell? indwelling you, sealed unto the day of redemption, Scripture says. How many of you realize that you are kingdom people? Raise your hand. Okay? We're kingdom people. 
That should really get an amen. I'm sorry, but I'm going to try it one more time. Are we kingdom people? Oh, there we go. I'm done. Let's pray. Okay. No. Now, the deal is, as kingdom people, our job is done here, Tonto. Let's ride away. No. Our job has just begun. As kingdom people, we have to demonstrate that. We have to put this on for a world that's blind, living in darkness. A world that is being led by Satan. We've got to put on our best suit of clothes. Spiritual suit of clothes. That one that fits us perfectly. And we need to demonstrate. We need to demonstrate. Looks like I'm going to get to verse 3. All right, now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Everything we do from this point forward, I don't care about your past. You take care of that with God. But from this point forward, everything, everything about us, what we think, what we do, what we say, need to be driven and motivated by our devotion to Christ. That's simple. That's simple. What's your focus and what's your motive? If your focus is Christ and your motive is living for Him in a fallen world, I'll tell you what, in some crazy way, it's actually easier today to demonstrate your faith because 40, 50 years ago, there were a lot of good people, unsaved but good. Now there's a lot of unsaved people that are not acting so good. Amen? Amen. A quote from the original Top Gun. This is a target-rich environment. Will we be brave enough? Are we going to be forward enough? Are we going to be faithful enough? Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we recognize over and over and over again that we are spiritually a train wreck, How many of you have ever rebuilt an old car, an old something? Just when you thought it was safe to put the paint on, you're going, oh my. There's a lot more work to be done. And we ought to thank God. When God reveals to you and to me, that I need work to get done. Do you know why we should thank him? Somebody tell me. Why should we thank him? Not a surprise question. This is not a tricky one. What's that? God is showing us what we need for our benefit. You go to a doctor. Chuck, when you go to a doctor, would you like them to lie to you? I mean, there's probably part of you that, okay, deep down, do you really want your doctor to lie to you? No. No. 
God's not going to lie to you. In fact, he's going to point out, son, daughter, we need to walk a little closer for a while. In fact, until my son comes to retrieve you, we need to walk close because there's a few things. There's a few things. Mark 8.34 says, He summoned the crowd together with his disciples and said to them, If any man wants to come after me, what's the first thing he says? Deny yourself. Sit and chew on that one for, I don't know, three or four months. What haven't you, you denied? Oh, yes, I gave this, this, and this up. Yeah, but what about your pride? What about your hard-headedness? What about your superiority thing? No. The poor in spirit recognize, because we're good listeners, to that still small voice. And God says, guess what? When we get that part right, when we are so humble before God, I grew up in Virginia, and uh, I came to faith at a uh, revival meeting, a tent revival. Anybody kind of remember any of that? Anybody that old, okay, or that traveled, okay? This is the middle of nowhere, Virginia, and this was a revival meeting. And yes, if you don't know what hellfire and brimstone is, look it up. There are a few pastors that still do that, and it really opened my eyes. I think I was 13, and I was like, okay, so now really what you're telling me is I'm a sinner going to hell, and Jesus is the Savior, and if I, if I, if I, if I, Submit to him. If I declare I'm going to follow him and all that. That was about as deep as I got. Sinner, Savior. Hell, heaven. Okay, I'm in. Did I understand the deep things? No, Paul called it. In 1 Corinthians, he told them, you're still drinking milk when you should be eating meat. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That is to say that we have to surrender our pridefulness for an attitude of humility. Because those that don't will face humiliation when they face Christ. It's that simple. Nobody wants to be humiliated, and we can forego that. Empty yourself. Empty yourself of anything that stinks of self-centeredness. Don't demand your own way. Don't think you're the one who's right. Even, even if you are. Okay. What is it? Godliness. How does that expression go? Godliness is better than something. Well, anyway, I'm old. I forgot. Okay. Empty yourself of your self-centeredness, he said. Follow me, and you'll be both happy now and in heaven. And in heaven. We're kingdom people. 
We're just not in the kingdom yet. This is not our home. Don't act like it is. <laughs> Chuck, is that your timer? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, time is up. All right, I touched the surface. All right. Um, I'm, I, I really do want you to, to take a look at these other verses. I want you to understand that what God tells us to do is for our own good. Do you really want to please Him? Or do you just want to get what you can from God? God knows the motives of your heart. And he wants to change it so that our heart is like that of Christ who, who gave up heaven to face this and a death that was horrible. And all the while saying, forgive them, forgive them. We need to live that way, just that one piece. Live in a mindset today that the world is lost. They're going to hell. Let that touch you. Let it touch me. Pray that it touches me. Just like Jesus before the crucifixion stood out on the mount, looked out over Jerusalem. Do you remember what it says in Scripture? What did he do? He wept. I want you to understand that word wept is sobbed. Gut-wrenching, heartbreaking, sobbing. And he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if only. Let that be the mind that we have in us. Let that be the heart focus. You see, the outcome is not up to us. I make introduction, people to Jesus. What they do with it is up to them. My job is to make that introduction. Go make that introduction. Do it in humility. You don't have all the answers, neither do I. Let's seek God for those answers. And then let's seek to walk faithfully. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I'm chuckling because I always have this expectation that I'm going to get a lot further than I do. I guess you're chuckling up in heaven when I figure that. And you're going, hey, guys, he's never going to do it. But don't you just love him? He's cute. And he does. He loves us. Father, I thank you for that love, that grace upon grace, mercy that we don't deserve. Father, help us to live in the light of that. Satan would distract us with times and epics and all the craziness and evil that there is. Help us to stay focused. In Jesus' name, amen.